welcome to Hyper Combo Finish podcast number five. Uh, I am Chris, and with me as always is Marie. Hello, I'm Marie. She's here. It's Yay. great. Um, it's been a while. Uh, it's been a long while. Lots has happened. Yes. Um, that always makes me think of uh, in The Onion when the guy says, it's been a long while since I rapped at you. You ever read The Onion? I read it like when I was younger. Um, oh. Is it still a thing? Oh, it's totally still a thing. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Um, I forgot. The Onion, however, didn't report at all on the biggest event that happened since our last podcast, which was the unveiling of the PS4. The PS4. And honestly, I didn't really pay attention that much, but I have read up on it since then. How much do you know about this PS4, Chris? Enlighten me. I know that it is supposed to be coming out this year. I know that it has a social button on the (gasps) controller, and uh, it also has a touchpad on the controller. Not a screen. A pad, question mark. Um... And it also lights up. The controller light changes colors based on your mood or something. <laughs> what? So it's a mood ring controller? What? Okay, that's great. Yeah, that's kind of what they were kind of hinting at. Um, uh-huh. What was most interesting to me was the architecture on a nerdy level. Um, okay. It's basically, it's a PC. It is a PC. Um, it's running an AMD processor, like almost stock out of a normal computer. And... Uh, it's got a graphics card, and it's uh, basically x86 technology, which means that, you, in theory, you're going to be able to port PC games over really easy, you know, minus the Windows code. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of neat for them. I think that's the right direction to move. The one thing that sucks about it, though, is that it's completely different architecture than the PS3, PS2, PS1. Mm-hmm. Um no backwards compatibility. But from what I understand, that you'll be, you'll be able to download and or stream any Sony game previously. On the PS4. Oh, you'll be able to stream, not download. Oh, really? Um, oh. Yeah, it sounded, uh, from what I read, it's streaming only for the other stuff because they've got to run it on another machine and send it to you because the PS4 is incapable of running those games. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so like all of like the PSN stuff you might have bought, um, that won't run. You're going to have to stream it like Gaikai style. That is a son of a bitch, actually. Okay. Well, I'm glad I learned that. Yeah, um, and I think that's... Not a really great move. Um, I understand it, but it 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 just seems now with this current con- this current generation, which is eclipsing now, mm-hmm. um, that uh, a lot of people have lots of things they bought and downloaded onto the systems, and having none of that carry over, um, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think of myself as sort of a game collector. I, you know, there are certain games that I've really enjoyed, and I would like to continue to enjoy into the future, and. I mean, I'm going to have to hand like hang on to these giant boxes of stuff for the rest of my life. That's a little bit weird, but oh, disappointment! Kel disappoint, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you didn't know this stuff because now yeah. we're getting it just raw. Your emotions. I know it hurts. Ah, what am I gonna <laughs> do? I don't even know if oh. I want to buy any more PSN stuff. Shit, how am I ever gonna oh, play yeah. Finish Swan? Oh. That's a really great point. Like, I, I imagine if you're a really hardcore Sony person and you, you want to buy a PS4, you might not be buying games on the PS3 now. Yeah, because just wait, right? Just wait. Shit. Just totally wait. I know, because what am I going to do? Buy them twice? Shit. Yeah. Also, you mentioned <laughs> something. Touch pad? Yeah, the top of the controller, mm. like in the middle, is a touch pad, kind of like at the bottom of a laptop, but on your controller. Huh. Um, Okay. And I'm not really sure what that's for. Like, they're, you know, 
kind of probably the same thing that the touchpad on the back pack back of the Vita is for. Um, See, I, I don't have I don't have a Vita either. I'm just not a Sony person, and they're just losing me with this stuff. This touchpad, the the mood lighting, the not my games, the social button. Um, what does yeah. the social button even do? I don't. Social know. means different things to different people. Okay. Um, especially in uh, the web industry like it it could mean that you start playing farmville and you start sending microtransactions or mm. I, I don't even know what i thought that i mean i did see some sort of hubbub about potentially oh microtransaction games on uh playstation 4 but i think what they're trying to do with social there is have like live streaming or instant connections to your social networks um sort of i mean i think xbox tried to do this with uh some of they had like Facebook on Xbox. That was a total bust, as far as I'm concerned. So maybe they've got some incredibly clever integration for sharing your games or your live streams or even clips. I don't know. I don't know how it would be fun, really. But maybe if you're an e gamer and you want to show off how badass you are in Call of Duty, <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, taking videos reminds me of uh, the game that we, we both played <gasps> um, this week. Oh, yes. uh, this episode, uh, which was Assassin's Creed 3, uh, came out in October, but um, we just played it. I was actually taking some video of it because I just got a video capture device on my Wii U, which was pretty fun. Hmm. Um, but uh, I played the game. I uh, we, We've talked about the series a little bit in, in this podcast before. Yes. I haven't really played anything in the series. I played a little bit of the first game, and I wasn't into it, so I stopped because I got it for five bucks on Steam. Um <laughs> But Maria, what's your history? So I have played Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood. I personally worked on Assassin's Creed Revelations. um, And then that's when I stopped playing the franchise on the last game that I worked on until you kind of harangued me into playing Assassin's Creed 3 against my will. (laughs) So I played some of it and did not finish, unlike Chris, who did. Yeah, I played the whole way through. I can't um, believe it. First Assassin's Creed game, I went all the way through. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, I there was a lot I liked about it. In the beginning, I liked it a lot more than I thought. Um, okay, well, what did, what did you like? What did you like? Well, A, I, I really enjoyed the setting and okay. uh, really enjoyed the environments. Um, you know, when, when you grow up in Philadelphia or maybe hmm. like any old East Coast city, that colonial stuff kind of gets drilled into your head. Um, and, uh, it is kind of a part of you. And so I'm there, I'm like, oh yeah, I know this stuff. Like when I was in school, we would go to these places all the time. So I'm actually visiting landmarks that I know about and that's cool. Um, and also what's amazing, uh, there's just so much in the game. Like it's huge. You can tell Mm -hmm. that an army of animators, an army of voice actors, an army of programmers was just thrown at this game. Um, and it shows the environments are incredible. The, the, like every city, uh, which well, of which there are two. There's Boston, New York, <laughs> um, but all of those cities, uh, they're they're really pretty. They're mm-hmm. really detailed. And uh, my favorite part though is the forests. The forests look incredible. Uh, yes. They're huge, and you can go through this huge forest without loading at all. Um, and it was really cool for me to like look across a lake and see a tree mountain, and I could walk there and climb up it. Um, I thought that was neat. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the free running in the trees, uh, which I don't even know if you got that far. Yes, I did. It's really cool. Um, yeah. Did you enjoy that? I'm sure. <laughs> I think that it had a very different experience for me. I mean, definitely, I, I could tell that there were a lot of people who had put a lot of effort into it. I know that it's uh, 
you know, it's a good game. It's, it's a beautiful game and it's well acted. It's pretty well scripted. There's a lot of attention to detail. I really enjoyed the, <laughs> oh, this is going to be so, so weird. Instead of the main game, I really enjoyed like the little mini games, like card games and oh, all yeah. the little board games. That kind of attention to detail really put me into the setting, but there was just, you know, a lot going on for me. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I played a couple of those too. I didn't uh-huh. win a single one, especially okay. like whatever that I forget what it was called, but the revolutionary checkers game. Like, I just got my ass beat <laughs> every like, time. See, I could sit there and play those games just forever, forever, and never yeah. even progress in the story because I really, really enjoyed those games. Yo, dog, I heard you like games. I so put I a put game games. in your game. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, um, but. There was, you know, I liked it a lot in the beginning, uh, but then it kind of actually, I fell out of it. How so? I mean, what what sort of broke you from the spell? So the setting is great, um, but the gameplay itself, I wasn't into. And, you know, I've kind of discussed before how I'm not super into the idea of fighting uh, fighting in these games. Like the combat mm. system feels kind of automatic. Like you're just kind of like pressing buttons to make movies happen. Sure. Sure. Um, I mean, it does, and, I mean, there are some literal, you know, uh, quick time events that you have to oh, yeah. react to. Like when wolves are attacking you, for instance, those are There's pretty, a ton. Yeah. But like the, the fighting itself is basically hammer the, the attack button until an icon appears and then hit the other button, but then hammer on the other button again. Like that's the fighting. And, and there's like a little bit more with like, you can shoot too, but come on. Um, oh, it's it's not about the fighting. And and I kind of accepted that. I was like, this isn't about fighting. But mm-hmm. um, so much, many of the missions were based around, like, follow this dude or uh, chase this dude. And mm-hmm. it it was no fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's – I don't know if it's just because I'm spoiled by more sandbox RPG kind of games. But I felt hemmed in at every corner. Like, I, I had to do something so specific every time. I had to file, follow such a – a distinct path and if I strayed from it in any way I would fail the mission and I felt that was really hampering in a lot of ways you know I didn't feel as though I had any personal agency in the game and maybe that's just my being spoiled but it's just like one it's boring you know I'm like I got to do this and I got to do it your way and I can't progress in the story if I don't and then two it just it takes me out of the moment if I see that these there are these extraneous uh, limitations on what I'm doing. It, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel smooth. I don't feel, um, what is the word? Immersed. Immersed in the story. Well, I think that the, one of the things that's most troubling about it is that not only is it like this structured game where you don't have a lot of agency, but now it's coming out so quickly that even if you wanted to devote a lot of time to game to the game and get it right, then... You're already on the new game. You know, I'm just scratching the surface of Assassin's Creed 3, and I'm already seeing all about Assassin's Creed 4. I'm confused. I mean, right, and DLC is coming out. Like, a brand new, huge mission just came out for Assassin's Creed 3, and now they're, they're, they're starting to advertise the fourth one, which yeah. is theoretically coming out in the fall. Which is fucking um, pirates, too. It's like, what the fuck? And that, this is something about the game that I felt is like, as I've watched the... IP uh, mature, let's say, it's gotten farther and farther from what I think is really interesting and fun about it. I mean, even in Revelations, you had like that total misstep with like Den Defense. I think that was a total fuck up on uh, Ubisoft's part because nobody seemed to enjoy that. And then, I mean, city building was fine. That was, I mean, it's pretty limited. But then in AC3, you've got like these like shipping routes and all this stuff 
that's stuff that's not about assassinating dudes. Yeah, I could barely scratch the surface of that stuff. Like, yeah. Um, like, I started and I was like, you know, I really want to finish this game. Uh, but I, th- I think the setting of the game, like the premise, is mm-hmm. hamstringing it in a lot of ways. Because the whole idea is that you're reliving memories. Yeah. And when you relive a memory, there isn't much room for for choice. True. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're kind of trying to present this game as an open world game. But at the same time, you're reliving these specific memories. Yeah. So, like... Which is it, right? Because but it's when so doing- not open world. I mean, yeah, you can explore, but you're, you're totally right. You're living a memory. You have to do it like this, and then when you you know you get desynchronized if you don't do it in exactly the same way. Ah, 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 it just makes me crazy. And then it's like already coming out with a new one. What new ways are they going to take away my freedom? That's I'm, Dude, I'm angry, Chris. I'm angry about this. Assassin's Creed is taking away my freedoms. <laughs> not really. It and- really isn't. But still, I don't want to be a pirate. There's one more nerdy <laughs> nitpick that really okay. got to me, like, story-wise in the game. Like, the whole idea is that the Animus can, you know, take your ancestors' histories, like, everything they experienced is in your genes. All right. So if you take uh-huh. that as a given, early in the game, you switch characters from, you know, one dude to that dude's son. Word. And uh, the thing is, after the son is conceived, you keep on reliving Haytham's uh, memories, which should not be exist, right? Because they were not passed on. They happened after conception. Um, so, like, Ooh. right at that moment, it should have been like, all right, now we're on to Connor because it's his life. No, I don't know about that. But I am no geneticist. <laughs> I am not I've... sure how this totally made up story about memories being passed on to your genes would actually pan out. But, um, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, dude. Not digging it. <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> because, no, I, come on. I, I gotta say, the missions actually get worse as you go down. Like, they get really? more formulaic. Yeah. Um, oh, boo. I, I really, actually, now that I beat the game, I kind of want to go back and just wander the world and do all the other stuff. Well, then, you know what? Instead of playing this game, if you want a good, like, open world game where you're, like, having a good time, I'm going to bring it back to it. Play fucking Red Dead Redemption. Damn it. You will enjoy this game, sir. But anyway, I'm not let's... Gonna, I'm never going to play that game. I hate you. Well, let's wrap <laughs> this up on Assassin's Creed. Um... Yeah. Pros, cons. You liked it overall? Are you going to play the next one? I, I'm really conflicted. I, I know thousands of people worked on this game, judging from the credits, and mm-hmm. so much artistry went to it, so much time, but the gameplay is not good. Um, yeah. And I just can't get behind the gameplay. Yeah. I, um, I would I would really not, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, except for really <laughs> intense, like, uh, like revolutionary war buffs who want to kind of relive that because the history parts are really neat and did you read any of like the codex stuff no um it's great it was written really humorously because it's written by like the british dude um and so it's all written like really tongue-in-cheek like i'm a witty british bastard and i'm gonna describe to you what the the battle of lexington was and it's it's good okay i think you'd like it see i i personally i don't know if i'm going to complete this game i just i'm not immersed as you said i'm just not interested i don't think i would recommend it to anyone especially now that the franchise is annual i feel like there's no time for you to get your head around what's going on and like you said thousands of people are working on these games they're putting a lot of content into it and for it to just sort of keep pounding you like you know surf on the beach man get metaphorical it's it's too much it's overwhelming and um i think there are a lot of really cool um other games out there that you can be spending your time on yeah well speaking of the thousands of people working on a single game um Mm -hmm. you know there's been a lot of discussion talking about 
uh, all of uh, the the different business model changes that have been happening. You know, are we selling mm-hmm. 99 cent games on phones? Are we selling microtransactions? Are we sell, selling MMOs that have a subscription fee? Um, there's a lot of different ways that uh, things are moving. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I know I know you work personally like in like the social sphere, right? And, and you've been thinking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and mobile. I mean, it's one of those things where, okay, do you have a prediction about the future, Chris? Because I do. Let's hear yours first. All right. Um, I, I'm going to say, I, I'm not sure this is my prediction, but this is what I think would be great for the console makers specifically and the game makers. And, you know, I think the one one of the most interesting things we've seen recently has been PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually, I'm not a subscriber, but the idea is that you pay a monthly fee and uh, every month you get a, a set of games, real games to play um, that they just give you for free. And I think that's awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if it was expanded, it could be a great console business model. So imagine this. Um, You pay Xbox Live. Say there's a super premium version. Say, let's say 50 bucks a month. It's high. Yeah. But for that 50 bucks a month, you get to play any Xbox game that exists. Period. For as long as you're a subscriber. Hmm. Would that be interesting to you? It might. But what happens when I stop subscribing? Well, then you lose access to it. It's kind of like Netflix, I guess. So all of my saved games, I could never play them again? Oh, you could keep the saved games. Mm. Um, but, you know, it would be stored. The saved games would be stored in your system, but the games themselves uh, would not be. I mean, I do. I like the idea of a subscription model. And I think it has a lot of legs. But, like, making the whole catalog of games available, that seems very challenging to me. And I think there are a lot of like loopholes there where people will be like, well, I paid for it this. Why don't I still own this part of the game? Or what if there's user generated content in the game? Um, what parts of it do you keep? What parts of it does the, the Xbox, let's say, keep? I mean, are, is this something that you think is going to be happening? I don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Okay. Um, I think it would be really cool, though, because huh. then the we actually know who is playing what games now because everything mm-hmm. is connected to the internet. So the money could be doled out, you know, accordingly. Like, oh, lots of people on our service played this game. It's it's kind of like going back to sort of a almost broadcast TV model. Oh. Um, uh, but I think it would be fascinating. Well, that is interesting. Because, I mean, while I love owning stuff, I mean, I'm sitting here next to my NES, my SNES, my N64, etc. All of them, <laughs> all the cartridges. I've never given up a single one. But the idea of knowing that I could play... If I could play an entire catalog for $50 a month, I don't know if I could say no to that. Yeah, but how do you get the publishers and developers on board with that? I mean, what if they, you know, don't like that it's a merit-based system? I mean, frankly, uh, what we're seeing in console games, I don't know if it's a merit-based system. Like, Hits? Was Call of Duty Black Ops 2 really the best game that came out last year? Because revenue would say that it was. Yeah, revenue would say what it was, but imagine this, like there are so many smaller games that you may mm-hmm. not get a chance to play because, you know, you don't have the time to invest, but if you didn't have to pay, like imagine like all the indies that you could just dip a toe into. Hmm. Like, oh, and then you might find stumble across one that you really like. And uh, that person would get money they never would have because you never would have seen them un- unless you didn't have to pay to play it. Huh. Well, I do think it's interesting. I I personally I think that it until we see what Valve puts out with their console, mm-hmm. I don't know what the future of games will be. Yeah, um, but you said you had a prediction. I did, and it's based on my experience in mobile. Um, so in mobile, I mean, we're just seeing everybody move to mobile, and it's really a very vibrant place where you're seeing a lot of indies get into the, the action, some really inventive games. But I think that the 
Personally, I just feel that freemium model has got to go. I think that people like the idea of paying for something once and getting what they pay for. So my prediction is for more uh, robust games at a higher price point on mobile devices, specifically tablets. And I think that tablets are, are, you know, they're almost as powerful as some of the consoles that we're seeing right now and are only going to get better. And I think that they're really nice and portable. They're um, attractive, easy to use. And once people figure out how to make games that are native to tablets rather than porting them over from consoles and making the controls all weird... And you can charge like 20 20 bucks, let's say, for a full-fledged tablet game without microtransactions. And I think that's where we should be going. Do you think that there might be some sort of crash? Crash? Yeah, a crash of like like the the 99 cent and free game kind of mentality that's happening now. I think that it's just like the path to discovery there is just so difficult, especially with people like Gree driving up CPIs on... um, on mobile games, and I'm sorry if I'm getting a little too technical, to like $7. Unless you've got a million dollars to spend on a launch of a game, you cannot get into you know the media. You cannot be featured on Apple or um, get somewhere that someone's going to discover you. I mean, PR can only get so far, but it really, right now, it's like, a, it's like an arms race of spending on advertising for mobile. And I feel like it's, you're Yo, losing CPI a lot of stuff. What, what does that mean? See, um, um, sorry. It's, um, shit. A cost per cost? install. Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, you pay for advertising rates and you, you know, you get people to come to your game. And, um, if they install the game, then you pay an agency for it. And so people are competing with all these different agencies to get their games in advertising. And, um, if you can't pay to play with the big boys, you basically can't get your game discovered. Which is super lame. Word. But I think that if there were perhaps fewer games at higher price points, we could curb that a little bit. And then, you know, quality could speak for itself. I mean, there are some really interesting quality games out there that aren't 99 cents. Like, um, I think it's like, is it Little Inferno? That's a really cool game. The Room. There, There's a lot that can be done with tablets, so... Um, higher price point, full-fledged games on tablets is my prediction for business model of the future. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think there's the the models are just going to get more varied. Mm-hmm. I think there's a you know people selling sixty dollars games now. There's people selling free games, freemium. Like I think um, some you know may drop in popularity, but I don't think any of them are going anywhere to be honest because they all serve a different uh, a different market um, and. You know, the people who are really into hardcore, like, console games are not going to play these phone games, I don't think. Or they may Tablets. play them, but they'll play them both. Yeah. Oh, God. I hope Tablets. I hope really good developers don't go over to tablets because I hate them. Do you know there are some good games on tablets? You don't have – do you have a tablet, Chris? I don't because I have then no need it. for one. Oh, my God. Because there are some really great tablet games. One day, I have a laptop. Day, Why would I ever need a tablet? Fine. Fine. <laughs> we, I believe that there are great games for it. Like I, I you know, we are I not think, going to solve this tonight, Chris. It's true. Okay. Um. So yeah, we'll have to let the uh, the tablet war rage on. Maybe one day Marie will get me to touch something that has no buttons. It will happen. So next week, uh, the game we're going to be playing is Runner Two, a future legend of Rhythm Alien, uh, which I'm super pumped about. Oh my god, I'm so excited! I am so excited for this game. What platform should I play it on, Chris? I think that you should play it on the Xbox so because you're a Chivo whore. I am kind of. Yeah, good choice. I can't blame you for that because numbers going up are something people like us live for. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
man. They know what I do. And I'm going to be playing it on the Wii U. And I'm actually going to be playing it on the way up to PAX East, which I will talk <gasps> about next week as well. I'm going there in two days. And in the car, we are going to be playing Runner 2. Uh, because I just got a power inverter and we're going to just play it on the gamepad and it's going to be sweet. It's going to be like an orgy of games excitement. It's like on the way you're like pre-partying with your gaming in the car. And then when you get there, it's like hardcore partying with all the gaming with the gamers. And then on the way <laughs> back, you'll be like post-partying with more gaming in the car. It'll be really good. I think it'll be really exciting. My thumbs will be dead by the end of the weekend, and I would have it no other way. I, I wish I could be there, I, and I look forward to all of the awesome that you will bring back with you. Awesome. Well, I am going to actually go pack up for that right now. Oh. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, you know we'll see you next next time. Bye. Bye. And now for K-Bam's That's What She Said moments. Like, it's huge. I don't know, dude. Not digging it. Uh, they're huge. And for it to just sort of keep pounding you, like, you know, surf on the beach, man. Get metaphorical. Maybe one day Marie will get me to touch something that has no buttons. Then shut it! Oh my god. What was it she said? Oh, that's what she said. Oh yeah. <laughs>